All right. So today, uh, we are um, we are going to to spend our time talking about um, why Christian community matters. Okay, and Christian community is critical. We're going to be in First Peter, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you up front that this is um, by design a pitch, if you will. Um, now, I'm not trying to sell you something. Um, and so honestly, I'm not doing anything different than I do most Sunday mornings when I, I open God's word to you and I have a pretty clear understanding of what God's word means and what God's word is trying to communicate for us today. It's my job as a pastor to open this up and share that with you. And I think um, strongly and I believe strongly and the elders believe strongly in Christian community. And I think God's word makes that so clear. So as I stand up here before you today, I, my goal is to sell you on Christian community. Not because um, I get a commission. God and I have talked about that. We're working on that whole payment structure. Um, that's not true at all. Forget I said that. That's not even funny. Come on, Hans. But because as your pastor, I know it's good for you. I'm going to walk over here and turn this off. I don't know why, but it feels really loud to me. And that's probably not true, but it felt really loud to me. It was nice. It was cooler. Okay. Uh, for those of you listening online, that was a fan. So now you're caught up. So here's the deal. We're going to be talking about the importance of a Christian community and why it matters. And there are so many verses in the New Testament that are going to point this out and that are going to clearly drive this point, we're going to settle on one in First Peter. It's not the only one, but it's one that I think will make the point very clearly for us today as we open up God's word. But first, I want to tell you this. When I start talking to you about the importance of small groups and why they matter and the fact that the elders are, are, are very passionate about the fact that if you call Blessed Hope home, that you be involved in small groups. Uh, maybe not every semester, because I know we have life going on and some of those things, but that if you call Blessed Hope home, that you be plugged in to small groups. And I'm going to ask you today, before we're finished, to, to really consider if you have not signed up, to prayerfully consider which group you might sign up for, because I think they have great value. Okay, and the thing is this, though, okay, I just, I just want to stop and deal with this for a second, because I know when I say that, for some of you, that actually gets you riled up a little bit. And it gets you riled up, I think, because um, what I'm wanting you to have in small group, oh boy, we're going to be in trouble if I don't start this. There we go. Uh, what I want you to get out of small group, and the reason we encourage small group, is something that um, you're thinking, that's what a church is for. That's what a Sunday is for. That's what Blessed Hope used to get on Sundays. And so we've got this tension that exists in the room when the leadership of the church says, hey, church, look, if you want to get plugged into Christian community, you need to be in small group. And there's other people saying, wait a minute, I used to be plugged into Christian community just by showing up on Sunday, and there's a gap now. Where's the difference? Why is it harder than it used to be? And I get that, and I, I want to deal with that, okay? Um, and, and the reason that that's true, though, I think, is because of this issue right here. That's not the issue. That's the one. 
It's because of the difference between fellowship and relationships. This came up at our elder retreat. You know, Pastor David was here for, for me last week. All of the, the leadership was gone um, at, a, um, at a retreat. We spent Friday um, evening until Sunday evening together uh, praying and planning and talking and doing some things. Um, and one of the things that came up a couple of times was this issue of fellowship and relationship. And, and at first we said, well, it's just a semantic difference. But the more we talked about it, and the more we started to understand what we were saying, the more we we zeroed in on the idea that, no, this is not a semantic difference. This is a context difference. See, fellowship, in its simplest form, simply means this. It's a friendly association, especially with people who share interests. We have fellowship with one another. Fellowship is when we get together and we chit-chat and we spend some time together and it's pleasant. And it's nice and it's good and we need it. If I had to give a biblical word for fellowship, if I had to, to break this down, I would use the word phileo, which is brotherly love. When scripture uses that term, it's talking about this love that's a brotherly kind of affection. We enjoy being together. We like being together. We spend some time together. It's this brotherly kind of love. But when I talk about this idea of relationship, relationship is different. Relationship is the state of being connected. And that connected has this connotation of intimate connection. See, I say intimate connection, and some of you automatically go to, oh, well, we're dating, or we're in a relationship, or we're married. No, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about intimate connection with other adults that happen because you share not just an affiliation or interest, but you share a deep core sense of being and value and beliefs, and it's who you are deep down that has this intimate connection. This is this covenant kind of love that we talk about. This is phileo. This is agape. And so what we're talking about with relationships is knowing and being known, and it's deeper than fellowship. And some of you remember, because you were here at the beginning 15 years ago, you remember how awesome it was when fellowship equaled relationship. Because that time existed in this church, and I missed it because I wasn't here then, but I can imagine that it was glorious. That just to be a part of Blessed Hope, what made it so attractive to other people was that just to be a part of Blessed Hope meant that you automatically didn't just have fellowship, but that you entered into those relationships. And they were spectacular. You just, by being here, you were involved in that. You were known and people knew you. But the thing is this, and this is where it gets weird, so track me here. It was so good at drawing people in that all of the sudden, what made it so good to draw people in started being problematic for getting people to that same level of connection that you experienced at the beginning. Vince, Vince used this analogy a couple times at the retreat also. He said it's, it was like, it, it was like ste- stepping up to the plate to get a hit. The same tool that you would take with you to get, a, to get a hit when you go up to the plate. You take the bat, right? You can't get a hit without the bat. You just can't do it. But as soon as you hit the ball, the same thing that used to be helpful, all of the sudden, is now a hindrance to where you're trying to go. 
Because you're not going to make it to first base very well if you're still carrying the bat. It was effective, and it was useful, and it was necessary, and it was awesome, and you used it. But then there's a time to let it go so that you can get where you're trying to get. And that's the journey that Blessed Hope has been on. There's things that, used, that we used to do on Sunday mornings where fellowship equaled relationship that would bind us together. We would hold hands and sing songs at the end of each service. We sang happy birthday to people during the service. We introduced our visitors. We shared prayer requests openly. We passed microphones around. We had all of our children come up front and sit here. And so there are things we did that were very good. They were, they were, they were like that bat. They were super effective in getting us to this point of connection where the church was established. But many of you know, as we've let some of those things go, what have we seen? The church has grown. Because those things that were very effective initially started being hindrances to growth. We had the in and we had the out. And it was impossible for new people to come in and feel comfortable in that environment. It didn't work. They didn't want to be announced as a visitor. They didn't want to hold hands, especially during cold and flu season, and sing a song at the end of the service. And so there's things that we've stopped doing, not because they were bad, but because as the church grows, they no longer meet our needs. And now we are at a place where fellowship on a Sunday morning does not automatically for everybody equal relationships that are deep and growing and providing what we need in Christian community. And so here's what I'm going to say to you. The reason I linger so long here before we get into the text is because this is so critically important. Here's what I'm going to say. I know it's harder. Okay, for some of you, this is, you're like, why is he spending so much time talking about this? I get this. This is what I understand. I understood this when I started coming here. I came here in this and it makes perfect sense to me. But for some of you that that have lingered longer, that have come from other churches that used to do it differently, listen to me. I get that it's harder this way, but it is worth the hard. This is what I want to ask you as your pastor. As your pastor, I I want to ask you to do the hard work. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth the hard work. And what happens when we do things differently on Sunday mornings is more and more people get to show up at church and more and more people get to hear the gospel. And it's not about us growing to be bigger, but more and more people get to be changed with the power of the Holy Spirit and transformational life and they get to dig in and then they get to invite more and more people to come here and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and their lives get to be changed and then they get to invite more and more people. And this cycles as we draw, as we teach, as we send so that we can draw and teach and send. And it just goes circular over and over and over again to the point where, yeah, we're on the cusp of moving to two services. That's not a bad thing. That is an awesome thing because it means more and more people are hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and they are being drawn in to be changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ so that they can go and they can tell their friends because hell is real and it can't have the people that we love. So I'm going to ask you, as we get into this sermon about Christian community and why it matters, I'm going to ask you, I know it's harder than it used to be, but embrace it because what it gets us is worth it. We are on mission and we are making a difference and it matters. Okay? All right. So why don't you go ahead and flip 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at verses 8 through 11. And uh, we're going to take them um, a little bit, a piece at a time, but I'm going to go ahead and read for them, uh, all of them here for you to start. 
Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gifts you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And so as we get into the text today, what we're going to find is we're going to find that not only does Christian community matter, but the way that we do Christian community here at Blessed Hope, although it's harder than when we just show up, the way we do Christian community here at Blessed Hope is through small groups. And we do it that way because we believe small groups provides us with a lot of things that we just can't get on a Sunday morning while the church is growing and changing lives for eternity. Okay, so let's dig in here together. First things first. First Peter 4, 8. Listen, small groups provide an avenue for Christian love. Real, agape Christian love. Remember the difference. Phileo, brotherly love. Agape is this deep, covenant, committed Christian love. We could always use more phileo on a Sunday morning. Sometimes, as friendly as we think we are, and this is true for any church, but it's true for Blessed Hope also, As friendly as we think we are, we're not. We are really awesome with the one another's that we know already. But I've seen time and time again as I'm in here putting up my notes or getting my microphone or, um, you know, getting things set up. Our visitors, because visitors, by the way, you know this about visitors. Visitors never show up. They never show up late. Right? I, I don't know if it's a respect thing or what it is, but visitors don't show up late. Visitors are always a good 10 minutes early. And we greet them when they walk through the door, and then they come in, and we greet them and hand them a bulletin and good morning and how are you. And it's, it's, I'm not saying it's, it's not real. It's very real greeting, and it's very real time. But then they come in and they sit down, and then they're by themselves. And they just kind of sit there by themselves twiddle their thumbs, they do their thing, and they sit there by themselves because we are very friendly with the people that we already know well. Give you permission. You don't need to spend a lot of time with people that you already know well on a Sunday morning because fellowship and relationship aren't the same thing anymore. So I'm asking you for harder. And, I, and I, you know what? I feel like I've done a disservice in the past by not saying to you, yes, I know this is harder. Look, I know it's harder, but it's worth it. Because the gospel is worth it, and the gospel changes lives, and it matters, and it's, it's worth it. I'll give you an example, a great example. Um, Pastor Matt McGee from Oak Grove Church. Uh, one of the weeks uh, when uh, Pastor Vince was preaching here for me, you know, we always like to go around to other churches and visit some places. Uh, I feel like it's less weird for Vince for me to sit there and stare at him if I'm somewhere else. Plus, you know, it's nice to have no responsibility whatsoever and just to be able to worship. And so we, Carrie and I went to Oak Grove, and... Uh, um, Matt, after the service, because I know Pastor Matt, Pastor Matt came over and shook hands and we were chatting for a second and mid-sentence, mid-sentence, he was like, I'll talk to you later. Like I was probably saying something really important. I wasn't. <laughs> but mid-sentence, he's like, you know what? I'll catch up with you later. And he left. I'm like, well, that's weird. Where's he going? And he went over here. He knows me. 
He knows who I am. We have a relationship. We don't need small talk right then. It's not necessary right then. He cut our conversation off mid-sentence so that he could go and he could meet someone he's never met before so that he could start to provide some of that relational context. Now listen, okay? Some of us are good at that. Some of us struggle at that. But that's that phileo. That's that fellowship. But relationship, this is what small groups provide. Small groups provide this opportunity for deep Christian love. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Okay? And so one of the things that small groups provides is this network of accountability and care. Many of you have been in small group and had the need for care. The need for brothers and sisters to come around you. Many of you have been in small group and, and, and had to have surgery to the point where your small group came alongside you and provided some meals and some visiting, maybe some child care, some prayer and encouragement. Some of you have had the experience where you've been in small group and, and you've had a family member die. And you've experienced the care and the comfort of small group coming around you to lift you up. Some of you have had the experience of being in small group when, when there's an illness and you need people to pray for you. Carrie and I had the awesome experience of just spending an entire small group with a bunch of people who did nothing but pray for our children. And we prayed for theirs. We spent 13 weeks praying for one another's children. Guys, it doesn't get better than that. I've had some really great small groups, but that so far goes down as one of my absolute favorite. Is this opportunity to just sit down and be in prayer for each other's kids. But small groups provides this opportunity, this network for care and for accountability. See, we all naturally know we need accountability, but nobody really loves accountability because we don't understand it. And we think accountability is somebody acting like a cop, trying to catch us. I got pulled over the other night. Listen to me. Let me tell you how accountability works. I've had a burnout headlight for no joke about five months. I try not to drive it out of town in the evening because, well, I figure that's inviting, but I'm like, it's Vin. <laughs> Mark Johnson, you know, Mark, an officer of the law, <laughs> walks out with me after many elder meetings, several of which he's asked for a ride home. I'd be like, that's fine, Mark, but you should know I have a headlight out. He's like, that's okay. If somebody pulls you over, I'll just pretend to be giving you a ticket. <laughs> like, all right, that's cool. Five months, no joke. After an elder meeting, a uh, leadership meeting, a couple, I think it was just last month, Tuesday night, it's about 9, 9.30, driving home after that meeting, and I got pulled over by a very nice lady. Um, I knew I was in trouble because... I went to pick up Travis from his girlfriend's house after the meeting, and he didn't need a ride, so it was a wasted trip anyway, so he was about to get in big trouble, because what happened is, he'd already gotten a ride home. Um, but, so I'm, I'm pulling back on the main road, and in front of me, when I get to the stop sign, is a police officer. And I'm like, great, I've only got one headlight, she's right in front of me, it's going to happen. And I already had my turn signal on, right? So when she turned this way, I kind of wanted to go the other direction. But I was committed. 
So I went this way. She pulls in the gas station and then waits for me to go by and then comes out and gets behind me and pulls me over. And, and she asks me, um, did you know you have a headlight out? What are you getting all like, mm? like I told the truth? <laughs> like you guys don't think very highly of me, apparently. Perhaps it's because the story started with five months. I didn't get my headlight fixed. But no, she's like, do you know you have a headlight out? And I'm like, yes, yes, I know I have a headlight out. And she said, well, have you been pulled over for it yet? And I said, no, no, I I haven't, which is a true statement. And she said, okay, well, here's the deal. I'm going to give you a warning. So she wrote me a warning and she gave it to me and I stuck it in my glove box. And she's like, but if you get pulled over again, then you're going to get a ticket. So then I thought to myself, like, does she mean like on the same trip home? (laughs) Because I feel like, anyway. I got the headlight fixed the next day. The next day, I got the headlight fixed. Why? Accountability. Like, because I know if I get pulled over again, it's going to very clearly say, hey, that dude has had a warning. He knew better. Here you go. Here's your $80 ticket or whatever it is. And so I got it fixed the next day. Accountability is one of those things where, listen, should we need it? No. In a perfect world, we wouldn't need accountability. But the reality is, we all need people that love us enough with that agape kind of Christian love, not that brotherly kind of love, but that real, deep kind of love. We all need people that love us enough that they will hurt us if they have to. They will say the hard things when they need to. They will tell us, they will remind us of who we said we wanted to be. They'll remind us of who we said we wanted to be. And they'll clearly point out in a loving, kind way how what I'm doing right now is not helping me be the person that I said I wanted to be. And can I be honest with you? As a pastor in a church, and I can, as an elder in a church, for a long time now, not just here, but, but in years before, been doing this now. I say long time. Some of you, it's a really long time. For some of you, you're like, that's not a long time at all. But it's about 13 years I've been doing this as a church leader. I can tell you that there are moments where I have had conversations that have gone as a church leader offering rebuke and correction to someone. Uh, uh, conversations that have gone so much better because somebody besides the church leadership Love them enough to say hard things. And I can tell you that I've had experiences where everybody else looking at that person knows they need to talk to. But nobody, nobody, because they're not involved in any kind of community, nobody owns them. Nobody has bothered to have the hard conversation. And so when they hear it from the pastor, they hear it from the elders, they're hearing it from the first time. Christian community matters because it creates space for care and accountability. Let's keep going. Uh, Well, let me just tell you this. Proverbs 11, 14 says it this way. Where there's no counsel, people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. When you are in a group and you allow people to say true, hard things to you, when you tell them who you want to be in Christ and you give them permission to tell you where it's not working, where there's a disconnect between what you say and what you do, There's safety there. There's safety. Let's keep going. Man, 
1 Peter 4, 9 and 10 says this, Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And so we keep going here, and and here's another thing that we think small groups does, and this is why we say we want you to be in a small group. Small groups create space for growth and for one another's. Offer hospitality to one another. That's one one another. There are actually about 54 that you can find in the New Testament. About 54 one another's. Right? I wrote just a few down so that you'd know I wasn't making it up. Love one another. Pray for one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be kind to one another. Greet one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Admonish one another. Correct one another. Confess to one another. And the list goes on and on. There are 54 one another's, at least in the New Testament, that are given as, get this, not suggestions. They are given as commands for God's people to engage in for their own growth and for the growth of the people that they love in a covenant kind of a way. And here's the deal about those one another's. Okay? They don't naturally happen in this setting. In this setting, it would be weird and unhelpful for you to stand up and admonish someone. You get that, right? Like, I I can picture it. Like, Denny's over here, and he's going to stand up, and he's going to be shouting at Tracy over here, admonishment or encouragement or whatever. This isn't the setting for it. There are 54 one another's, at least, things you are commanded to do for other people in the church body that you can't pull off on a Sunday morning now. You could have pulled them off on a Sunday morning at the beginning. But now, and I know it's harder, and I'm asking you to embrace the harder. Now, for you to do those means you need to step into a new space, into Christian community that's intentional. So that you can do those things, that you can love and admonish and encourage. And you know what? It goes along with gifts too. I mean, there are so many gifts that exist in the church that we haven't discovered. I'm going to be honest with you. We haven't discovered them because there's no space for it. If the only time you plug in is in corporate worship, there's not space for it. And so they're undiscovered gifts and everybody's got gifts. You've got gift. You've got a gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given you for the edification of the church. And some of you are not using your gift of the Holy Spirit. That's a leadership issue that we're dealing with, but it's also a personal growth issue that you need to own. And if we come together there, perhaps we can figure out how to step into our gifts and use them for the edification of the church and the advancement of God's kingdom. You've got a spiritual gift as a Christian uh, that is a gift of the Holy Spirit that you own, that you have a responsibility to use for the growing of the church. On top of that, you have skills and talents. Remember Psalm 139, when God knit you together in your mother's womb, when God carefully and intimately and purposely knit you together, he did that with skills and talents and abilities that make you, you. He did it with a heart that makes you, you. He did it with personality traits that make you, you. You are unique from everybody else. But some of you, you don't explore or serve in that uniqueness at all because the only time you're a part of the church is on Sunday morning during worship. You come in, we sing songs, you hear the word preached to you, we share some things, we pray, and you leave, 
and that's it. You have not plugged in anywhere else, and so there's no space for you to share the gift and to grow in the gifts and the service that God has given you. You, ho- you offer hospitality to one another, that's one another, but hospitality is a gift as well. Hospitality, being hospitable, showing hospitality is a spiritual gift. It's hard to show that on a Sunday morning sometimes. You know, I mean, here's the thing. If you, if you can sing or you can play an instrument, by the way, if you can sing or play an instrument, we could always use you. So that's good. But if you can sing or play an instrument, you know, then there's space, right? It, but sometimes there's no space. If, I, I know people, listen to me. I know people that are great counselors. Not like certified professional counselors, but they are great counselors. But unless they've made the attempt to step out into something from Sunday morning, the church will never know, and they'll never grow in their gift, and they'll never use their gift. I know people that are such great encouragers. But if they never had stepped out from their Sunday morning corporate worship into other space in Christian community to grow and serve and be who God had called them to be, we would never know it. And so what I'm saying to you is is that one of the great things about small groups is it gives you an opportunity to grow in the talent and the gifts that God has given you. And that's what we're told here. Offer hospitality to each other without grumbling. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others. You've been given a multitude of gifts. And you are called in Scripture, commanded by God through Peter here, to use those gifts for the encouragement of other people, for the growing of other people, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So if you're tracking the last part of that text in 11, or in verse 10, here's what it says. God's grace, now track this because this is a big deal. God's grace is delivered through you when you use your gifts in Christian community. When you give your gifts, when you use your gifts with other people in Christian community, you are demonstrating the grace of God. I'm going to give you one easy example, and I didn't run this by her first, so um, she'll forgive me, though, because she's a gracious person. Um, But uh, Greg and and Jennifer Svoboda, they led a small group last semester, Financial Peace. Turns out that money... And managing it well and stewarding it well and understanding it as a gift and understanding how delaying gratification and doing this and that, how that is a, a, a talent that God has given them. And so what happened is they agreed, they consented because they, they're gracious and they wanted to share this. They consented to lead a small group. And that was great. But what happened then is I talked to them about their small group as I found that there were multiple times that Jennifer then would go. Because budgeting, you're like, budgeting's not a spiritual gift. Come on. Do I have to correct that? You know that, right? That, that this is something that God has wired her. He's given this talent to her, this understanding. And so what happened is when it was time to have that part of the lesson in financial peace and people struggled to do it or struggled to get it done, Jennifer would go sit down and meet with them, right? You don't get to do that on a Sunday morning. You can't grow in that grace. You can't demonstrate that grace. You can't be that person unless you're plugged into Christian community. And that's just one silly small example that can happen in every different community group that we have as soon as we step into the space and we are on purpose with what we're doing. 
I'm just, it matters. And you know the other fun thing about this? Don't, don't let this um, track you either. One of the great things about small groups is it gives you a chance to be annoyed with other people in a godly context. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Basically, you check your annoyance at the door. Because we all have people, good Christian people, that annoy us. Right there, somebody popped in your head. I know they did. A lot of you was me. And I can handle it. But you popped in somebody's head too, I'd imagine. Just the way it goes, right? But one of the things that we do in the church, we're called, Jesus tells us at the beginning, we are to love people. Uh, we sing that song occasionally. It comes from scripture. How do they know we're Christians? Well, they know we're Christians by our love, okay? And we always think, yes, we love outside the church. We love outside the church. We love outside the church. And we do and we should. But the command very clearly is to love one another inside the church, they will know we are Christians by our love is the words of Jesus that, that, that signifies that inside the church we agape love each other to such a degree that it is so awesome when people look at it that they want to be a part of it. That's how it worked in Acts. You go back and you look at the early church and how the gospel spreads. It doesn't spread because they're out doing evangelism. It spreads because they're living their Christian life and they're living it so well and in such a way that it's so compelling that everybody else looks at it and says, I want in. And when they come in, they see the only thing that makes them difference is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the cross that saves. And so they submit to it, maybe not understanding what it is, but it's okay because they know that when they submit to it, they plug into Christian community where they grow. This is not something that we make up. We did not sit in an office one day and go, you know what would be fun? If we made everybody do something extra every week. Let's do it. No, listen to me. This is God's design. Christian community matters. Right? It creates space for biblical Christian love. And it creates space for the one another's and for growing in the gifts that God has given you. There's more. 1 Peter 4.11, we'll end the text. It says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. And so this last thing, we see that small groups, we've talked about it, they facilitate growth. They help you grow. When you speak, into the lives of people, when you listen to God's word, you grow. When you hear, you grow. When you serve, you grow. Get this. This one, this one will hopefully not surprise you too much, but the reality is this. When you are served and you allow someone to serve you, you grow. See, this is why small groups have such value because when you step into a small group, when you step into a Christian community... Every single thing facilitates growth. You hear God's word, you grow. You speak God's word, you grow. You share your thoughts, 
even if they're not exactly right, and then you're engaged in conversation about what the Bible says and what the Bible means. Everybody grows. When you go do serving together, you grow. When you have a need and people reach out and they love and they serve you, you grow. I tell you what, listen, I grew spiritually when I would sit and I would pray for other children from our small group. I still pray for those children, okay? Um, I pray for the church in general and sometimes specifically, but those kids represented in those families, I have covered them in prayer and will continue to do so as a commitment we made in that group. And I will grow spiritually from that, but you know what? I grow even more. Now listen to this. This isn't just platitudes. This is real. I grow even more when I see answered prayers that I spoke to other families and I know they are praying those things and I see them come to to fruition in the lives of my kids. My faith is buoyed and I grow. And there's no way around it. Small groups facilitate growth. It's what happens. Okay, And, and so... Um, I think the reality there, the thing that I just want you to land on, the thing that I want you to know as we get ready to, to have communion, and I know some of you are like, man, he's fast today. I know, it's cool, because we got a lot more to do with communion. Don't worry about it. Um, but but the, the thing I want you to understand is this. Christian growth, Christian discipleship, that is not an individual endeavor. Christian discipleship is not an individual effort. It is absolutely, unequivocally, no apologies. It is a team sport. You go back to the beginning. God creates Adam. Everything's good except for Adam. And he says, man, it is not good for man to be alone. And so he creates him a helpmate, a helper. He creates for him in the original Hebrew, um, a woman whose job is to offer him the love and support. It's the same word that's used for God helping Israel. That's how important that connection was. It wasn't, I need to make somebody that will fetch him his slippers and get him a sandwich. It was, you know what? Israel needs God's oversight to be who I created it to be. Man needs a helper like that so that together they can be who they've been created to be. Man was not good until this happened. Now it's very good. Well, it's the same design in the church. God does not create Christians and then put them on an island. But God says so that they can be everything that I've intended them to be, they need to be part of a community of believers. And that is from day one. Go back and read the beginning of Acts. You will never find believers isolated. It does not happen. The only time you're going to find a believer isolated, it's punishment for the Apostle John as he's cast out. It's punishment that they take him, and instead of executing him like they do the others, they they maroon him on an island. You aren't going to find examples of Christians in isolation. When Christians are in isolation, here's the deal. We do stupid. Hear me well, I'm not saying we are stupid, but we do stupid. When we are in isolation, we do stupid. When we don't have people that we trust telling us true things, we do stupid. When we don't have guardrails in place of relationships, of people that love us, we do stupid. 
when we're not praying and learning and growing, we do dumb. Like, I am not stupid. I am a relatively intelligent guy. But there are moments in my Christian walk when I have been isolated and I have done stupid. Because there was nobody there to guide me. And there have been moments in my Christian walk when I had Christian brothers around me who loved me enough because of small group through those connections that when I tried to do stupid, they would yell at me to not do stupid. They would remind me of who I said I wanted to be. And I would say, oh yeah, that makes sense. I can tell you this, I'm a pastor today because I engaged in a small group. Carrie and I went to church. We went to church. But it was not until I engaged in a small group and I had the opportunity to share thoughts and provide counsel. And I thought, you know what? I feel like God's gifted me in that way. I could grow in that a little bit. That from that, other leadership opportunities came up. And as I stepped in those, God honored those and said, you know what? Yeah, you're called to do this kind of a thing. None of that happens unless I get to small group and discover that gift. Carrie is an exceptional counselor. None of that happens if we don't step into small group so that she can develop those relationships and have the opportunity to do that. Our spiritual life, where we are, is a direct result of us getting plugged in to Christian community because Christian community matters. First Peter 4 ferrets that out. There are multiple other scriptures um, that will ferret that out as well. So I'm going to leave us here, or at least this part of it. I'm going to pray for us. As I pray, I want you to do one of two things. And I, again, I'm not here to call anybody out. Um, I am here to encourage you, though. And so it's one of two things. If you are signed up for a small group now, I want you to pray. I want you to pray a blessing on that group that's going to start next week. I want you to pray um, for the leader of that group. Okay, you should already know who that is. Um, I want you to pray for the other members, even if you don't know them by name, that are going to be in that group. And I just want you to pray that God will bless the effort and the intention to help you grow in the ways we've talked about this morning. If you're not in a small group as we pray, I want you to be open and just ask God what he'd have you do. And if it's something he's calling you to do, even if it's hard, even if it takes more time, even if it's difficult to create space, ask him if it's something he'd have you do. And if you can honestly say to me, listen, I, I prayed and God has not led me here. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm going to ask you to be honest and reflect on that. Heavenly Father, God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the true things that we can read and understand in it. I thank you for the way that you've created us. And I thank you for the provision of other people that you've given us. God, you've not asked us to do this life alone. It is hard, it is difficult, it is problematic at times. Following you, walking in righteousness, pursuing holiness, God first can sometimes be difficult and daunting. Satan pushes against us. The culture pushes against us, but God, you've called us to walk with you. But you've not asked us to do that alone. You've asked us to do that in good Christian community. So God, we thank you for that truth and we ask you to give us courage to step into that now. 
for those that are, are in small groups and are ready to start and have found a good Christian community. God, we want to thank you for that. And I ask you to bless them and encourage them and, and, and help keep them excited. For those that are leading small groups, God, I ask you to just empower them, give them confidence as they prepare to lead, as they step into the role that you've prepared for them. God, for those that are um, unsure, I ask that you just confirm what you have for them in their heart. And if that is getting plugged into Christian community, that you would lead them in that, that you would clear the way, that you would move obstacles, that you would create space, that you would create a draw in their hearts to move in that direction. Father, we ask those things um, knowing that you are God of the universe and you can do what you will. And so if it's changing hearts, change hearts. If it's changing schedules, change schedules. If it's blessing decisions, then bless decisions. God, we, we ask those things confident in your answers, knowing that all of your answers and all of your promises for us are yes and amen. So Father, we thank you and we praise you. Amen.